0: Welcome to The Mentor List, a source of sound advice with your host, David Lewis. To seek support and you need to allow yourself to be supported. Really have a point of difference. What is precious,
1: what's really important, and then putting some boundaries there.
0: The Mentor List specialises in interviews with top business minds. Gather their advice for your career. This is The Mentor List. Welcome to the show today. Today we are having a chat with Ben Chan. Ben Chan is the chief commercial officer at Invato. So we're heading over to their creative offices and headquarters here, based here in Melbourne. Ben's actually acting as the CEO of Invato, and he does this while the founder and CEO is on leave. So prior to Invato, Ben was a senior engagement manager at McKinsey & Co, working throughout Asia, Europe, and also here in Australia. He was also a foreign exchange trader for Goldman Sachs in New York, where he traded on Wall Street, and that was during the financial crisis. He's a very intelligent guy, as you'll soon pick up. He had degrees in engineering and actuarial mathematics from Melbourne University, and he was in the top of his class there, and he went on for further study across the ocean at Stanford University, where he was in the top 10%, and he'll share his unconventional approach to just how he got such distinctive results. So I hope you enjoy today's conversation with Ben Chan. Ben Chan, welcome to The Mentor List. Thanks very much for having me. No, well, thanks for having us here in your office. And I was just saying, coming up the first level, how impressive and colourful and Creative. The entrance sort of is to come and see you today. So, yeah, thanks for having us here in your office, and really excited to hear about your your story and your career path. So, I might just start with the first question. If you could tell the listeners a little bit about your career journey.
1: Great. Well, I started at Melbourne University. Did my undergrad there. I had a double degree: uh, civil engineering and commerce. And the commerce side, I studied actuarial mathematics from the University of Melbourne. Upon graduation. I thought the most important thing for me to, to, to do was to have a broad, strong foundation of skills. You know, I, I thought heavily about whether I should dive into banking or dive into, you know, a specific part of um, the finance world. But I thought management consulting was that good foundation. So I uh, applied to a couple of companies, including McKinsey, interviewed with them and got in and, you know, I made sure to understand whether or not I was going to get that training that I was hoping to get, seemed like it was a good call and uh,
0: ended up going with McKinsey. Yeah, because you got offers from three different companies. Did you want to talk maybe through, I guess, the academic achievement there as well? So sort of how you were positioned looking into, I guess, the, the big consultancy?
1: Yeah. So, yeah, I think when, when I was uh, – In early undergrad days, I was always told by my elder sister that I should apply for places like McKinsey, BCG and Bain because uh, they only accepted the best. And I was quite daunted by it when I was a lot younger. When I was going through uh, university, I realized that I was achieving quite well um, and I ended up graduating at the top of my class for both engineering and for my commerce degrees, so both degrees. And so at this one I was uh, uh I felt confident to to apply to all those companies. Applied to BCG Bain and McKinsey went through their interviews and got offers from all three of them. Mm, amazing. And McKinsey was was the standout company for me. Because I think I really liked their apprenticeship model, very much focused on problem solving and, and learning. So joined McKinsey and for two and a half years consulted across a lot of different industries um, from airlines to banking, to resources, to the military. And I started off in Australia, but very quickly moved on to Taiwan and to uh, the UK um, and did projects overseas for for an extended period of time. And I think at at McKinsey, it was a, a great learning opportunity where I got to learn how to work from an analytical point of view, work from a uh, relationship point of view and work from a project management um, perspective. And that put me in a a really good uh, position to go forward into the future. At the end of McKinsey, so I did a two and a half year stint there and that's the the standard duration for an analyst out
0: out of undergrad how is that determined is that sort of just a what's not talked about or is that a program or it's a program program. yeah it's a a graduate program and
1: you typically do between two and a half years to three and a half years depending on what you want to do after that and so a lot of a lot of folks in my cohort and and the cohorts before me would go on to do an mba at a school somewhere overseas and so i i applied to stanford for an MBA program at Stanford University in California, um, got in there and basically moved to the U.S. for the MBA. Uh, and those two years were amazing two years. I think coming from McKinsey, I thought, because i would seen a whole range of industries, I've seen a couple of different uh, geographies that I had a lot of knowledge. And when I arrived at Stanford, I realized very quickly that I had Less than you know, point one percent of the knowledge I really need. Right, and that's because I had classmates from all over the world in yeah. several different industries. I had classmates from the Marines, from the from the Navy SEALs. I had uh, people who were amazing teachers, mm. very strong engineers, hedge funds, VCs, etc.
0: Wow, really, um, a lot of breadth in yeah, the, your cohorts. Yeah, yeah, which was which was
1: such a strength of the program. And, you know, 40% of the folks were from international
0: countries outside the U.S., mm. so really broad range. So, because um, that's a really prestigious school. So, is that just a process of hopping online and popping your resume in? Or is this like, like, how strategic were you to, you know, effectively get into Stanford? And how hard was it? Yeah. Um, so, I think this was something that, that my dad
1: had instilled in me while I was growing up, which was he had always pushed me to... To be as good as I could, and one of those things was to try and get into to Harvard and Stanford and do an MBA, and that was since I was you know in primary school. So I really had that idea in my head even before I joined McKinsey, and McKinsey was a great path to get to a Stanford MBA program. So the application process is is very hard uh, when I was going through it. I, I found it very hard because I was doing full-time work at McKinsey, doing 60 to 70 hours a week oh. in a foreign country. I was applying while I was in Taiwan. It was such a testing time because you had to study for your GMAT, which is a, a examination, and then write two essays. Um, but, you know, they're two major essays. Mine were, call it, 10 pages each that had gone through, you know, 50 different iterations mm-hmm. And and then you go through an interview process. You know, so so Stanford, the class size is only 380 people, which is quite small, and you've got multiple thousands of applications from all around the world. And typically, uh, they, you know, there are only ever
0: about two people from Australia. Wow. So you had to um, thicken up the broad or <laughs> the broad Australian accent. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> be the ambassador for it. Exactly. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. So there's obviously. So I'm picking up. You know, a theme here of academia. You know, I don't want to jump ahead to to habits or, but Was is there something you're doing differently? So you know, like finishing that high, coming out of university, and then the GMAT study into Stanford, like. Was, was there things you're doing differently to, to other people to, one, you know, be accepted into the school and also okay. to finish so higher out of the university? So, yeah, is there one thing or many things, anything you can, you can share with the listeners?
1: Yeah, um, I'm not sure if, if this is unique, but this is what I did. The thing I focused on ever since high school was making sure I knew what was expected of me. And so in high school examinations, I focused on the questions that I was going to be asked in in examinations and I ignored pretty much everything else so I academic stuff I would study by redoing past year's exams like almost solely and only when I needed to really understand the first principles would I go to first principles yeah Um, uh, I think first principles are great but A purpose is needed for them. That's kind of my approach. And so that extended to university uh, was uh, very focused when I needed to be. And I'd say at Melbourne University, I um, skipped more classes than I attended, more because I didn't think the classes were going to help me achieve Mm. what I needed to achieve, which was to get great results and to to network and to to learn uh, about the real world. And so instead of going to classes, I would – I would run uh, different part, different clubs at universities. I would go along to different networking events. I would, I'd play a lot of sport, and you know, I, I was very targeted and focused. And then two weeks before exams, it was hundred percent focused, and everything else in my life disappeared. Wow. So I was very regimented in in that way, and Ditto at, at Stanford and at, and at work as well. Like I'm, yeah. I focus where.
0: I believe I'm, I'm needed to focus and I don't do everything. Fantastic. So it's very much the end in mind, is just, well, the end is the starting point. Yeah. Um, Great. Okay. Well. Yeah. Thank you very much for sharing. It's obviously been very effective. So I certainly got a lot of benefit out of that, <laughs> and I'm thinking what I might have done differently. <laughs> no, I'm not thinking back. So yeah. So I guess the next steps into Goldman Sachs, which wasn't a probably a move many people could make from Stanford into Goldman. Did you want to maybe elaborate on? Yeah. So
1: yeah, a lot, a lot of folks from Stanford went to. Goldman, but specifically, I wanted to go to Goldman Sachs for trading, so the trading floor. And when I applied to the Goldman trading floor, uh, there was a response from their HR saying, Sorry, the trading floor doesn't accept Stanford MBA grads. And when I dug into it, it was uh, because they had a track record, you know, Stanford MBA has a track record of being very Bit flighty or attrition. Yeah, yeah, being very motivated to move very quickly. Um, right. And so uh, folks would often uh, leave after six to 12 months. So it was a, a roadblock um, that was presented in front of me. But I really wanted to go to Goldman Sachs. Goldman Sachs were the best in, in the class uh, in, in their field. And therefore, uh, I didn't want to take no for an answer. And I hit a couple of different back channels. I basically applied to a different division. They really wanted me to to join on board, and then one of the managing directors said, "Hey, then it sounds like you're more well suited for the trading floor rather than this division." And I said, "Well, that's that's funny you mentioned that. I I, I completely agree." And so through those different channels, um, I got got seen by the trading floor, and they accepted me into the summer internship during my MBA time. So you know, the it, I think my doggedness and and ambition was paid off and then moving into uh, the trading floor i really wanted to do foreign exchange to be a currency sales and trader that specific group again wasn't hiring anyone and so i had this roadblock where you know the group that i wanted in the company that i wanted weren't hiring anybody at all and so i said that's fine would you mind if i just spent two weeks with you knowing that you know there's no role after that so you know, I spent time with the managing director, I spent time with all the vice presidents in the group, and at the end of those two weeks, they, they gave me a position. <laughs> Fantastic. And so I think uh, you know, for me, it was all about um, setting myself a goal. The roadblocks will always come up, um, no doubt, and you know, your standard official channels shouldn't be your only channels.
0: Mm. Great advice. Yeah. Okay. So you're on. So you're on the trading floor. You you've made it in some well through the back channel or different channels. So you're obviously not trading these days. And so take us through you know some of the next steps and how you've ended up back in Australia and. You know, hear it in Barto and acting as the CEO today. So I know I'm I'm watching the time, so I'm not um, going over time. But yeah, maybe, maybe talk us through. You know, how you've sort of managed to come back into Melbourne? Was that planned? Was it by chance?
1: Yeah. Uh, so if I if I um, pick up, you know, so I'm in Goldman. I uh, am having a great time. I love the trading floor. I still do. It was absolutely chaos. You know, the the amount of shouting and you know. Taking, taking trades, taking positions, and working with clients was a real buzz. Um, I liken it to a high-paced action sport, which, which I'm a big fan of. The reason I started to, to move away from finance was I was talking with my other Snapper classmates who had started companies who were in different companies uh, working uh, in, in places all around the world, was that they were making such major impacts in, in the fields that uh, that they do, you know, one classmate of mine, Jane Chen, uh, a great friend of mine, she started a non-for-profit called Embrace, um, which made uh, low-cost incubators for premature babies. And she's literally saved, you know, 150,000 babies' lives. Wow. And, you know, for me, I was uh, moving money from A to B and taking a clip on it for the company and for my... And for me, I wanted to achieve more for and make my own little impact in the world. You know, I don't think I'll, I'll save 150,000 babies' lives, but I wanted to do my own little thing. And so at that point, I decided I wanted to go back into um, kind of the, the business and company world and away from the finance world. Finance is still a big passion of mine, and I still trade um, for my own portfolio, for my own
0: super fund uh, on a
1: you know a weekly basis. So I'm yeah. still active, and I love oh, wow. it.
0: So, so think, the American markets? Does that mean you're? Is it you're up late or you're up early? Yeah, I I'd trade all markets. Wow, um, okay. Yeah, I just I just love it. And so I
1: wanted to move in the company world. That made me think McKinsey was a good platform to come back to. Um, I still had a lot of learning to do. Yeah, McKinsey was great for my very early years, and I had decided that it would be great for my kind of um, uh, next next set of uh, career years. And then my wife and I decided we wanted to, to start a family uh, in Melbourne. You know we're, we're both, We both grew up in Melbourne, we had family here, and we really just love Melbourne as a, a place to place to live. I think New York and, and Asia and Europe are extremely fun places, but uh, there's no place like Melbourne for us right. uh, to grow a family. And so we moved back to Melbourne, I moved back to McKinsey. Um, I spent another two and a half to, to three years at McKinsey working in a whole range of industries again, you know, again, banking, mining resources, packaging, retail, telco, and the military across a, a wide range of geographies. And, you know, towards the end of that time, I felt like it was, I'd learned a lot. And I think if I continued at McKinsey, I would have continued learning. Uh, McKinsey is an amazing place for, for learning different skills. However, I thought it was time to, to jump into um, the company world as opposed to a consulting world. And, you know, over uh, the 12 months before I left McKinsey, I started um, talking with different companies. Over 12 months, I received about 12 job offers uh, from different companies, from large companies like Telstra, NERB, uh, ANZ. And you know, general manager, type, uh, director type positions at those companies, all the way to much smaller companies. You know, I select, seek, and and Enbata, and I found myself very attracted to the small companies. I felt like I could make a bigger impact on the small companies, and I found myself more and more attracted to tech. You know, amongst my network of amongst my friends i'm the early adopter of of technology right um i have a new phone every 6 to 12 months um i install an app a new app you know once every week at least and then you know i uninstall a, a new app <laughs> once a week I, I overload my phone so i have to factory reset it uh, quite often and so Invado was this perfect intersection of you know a commercial role plus a, a small enough company that I could make an impact, plus it was growing at an extremely fast
0: rate, and it's in the technology field. So it was, it was a, a perfect combination. Yeah. So talk us through yeah, when you came in and, and why you chose Envato. And, and for those that haven't heard about Envato, maybe you could just tell us what, what they do. Yeah. yeah. So Envato, we are the
1: leading ecosystem for digital content, for freelancers, and for designers in general. Uh, so think of us. Um, you know, we've got lots of different businesses. One major business we're very well known for is our marketplace. So think of us as the uh, an eBay for digital content. So people come to buy and sell digital content such as right. website templates, stock photos, stock videos, graphics, video templates, and you know we're the we're the leading ecosystem um, for for this. We have uh, more than seven to eight million buyers. And, you know, every year we we have more than uh, 2 million buyers buying at any one time. Wow. Our big uh, leadership position are in website templates, especially uh, WordPress. Yep. You know, we've re- recently launched uh, something called Envato Elements uh, a year ago, which is our unlimited subscription-based model. So basically for um, $29 a month, a customer can come and download... All of our Envato Elements library, which is like four hundred thousand items. Yeah, wow. Uh, so it's great value, uh, especially for freelancers and agencies. And you know, we're four hundred people large. We're based here in Melbourne, um, in in
0: CBD, and we've also got staff uh, all around the world. Yeah, because it's—I'd imagine it's pretty uh, boundaryless sort of work. Like you could have. Um, people doing this literally anywhere with a great internet connection and a skill set exactly it's the beauty of uh, an online business
1: and you know you think about uh, because we are a global online business the majority the vast majority of our revenue is actually outside Australia so Mm -hmm. to have people from all around the world whether in here here in Melbourne or in uh, different places around the globe like it's it's very important that that we know what's going on So that's a bit about Envato. It was founded 11 years ago um, by our founder uh, and CEO, Collis. And so I joined four and a half years ago as director of strategy and business development. My main remit was to define the strategy for uh, different parts of the business. Yeah. And basically over the last four and a half years, you know, when I came as director of strategy, I had a five-person team and then every... A year and a quarter, um, I received a promotion of some sort. And so, you know, after a year and a quarter, I was direct, I was promoted from director of strategy to director of growth and revenue, and my team grew to 40 people. After another year and a quarter, I was promoted to to executive general manager of the customer group, where my group was uh, about 90 to 100 people. And then recently, I was promoted to chief commercial officer. Uh, where I'm head of a 140-person group and responsible for the revenue of the company, and in the last uh, couple of months, uh, I uh, acting CEO uh, while my my founder CEO uh,
0: takes an extended um, leave. Fantastic, go! Oh, what a ride! <laughs> so, just sort of going back to your decision to you know move into business, move out of the trade sort of arena. Do you think that was impacted by your peer group that you've kept in contact from Stanford? Like, was that a factor playing out? Like, I think you mentioned, was it Jane, you know, with her having such an impact and having that sort of peer group, was that sort of a, a large influence on you, I guess? Yes, certainly, certainly. And I,
1: yeah, I think the, the entire Stanford experience and the Stanford community has had a major impact on on how I see things, on how I make decisions. Mm. The, you know, moving to Invado into an environment where I could have a big impact, where Envato was making a big impact on the world that it plays in, uh, was a big driver of mine. Mm. And as opposed to uh, being in a larger corporate where, you know, it's an established incumbent, that sort of thing, you know, for me, the, the attraction was to be able to make impact um,
0: both for the company and uh, for my own role. Yep, uh, fantastic. So, just looking back, was there any advice that you got along the way that you could share with the mm-hmm. listeners, or advice you wish you had received? Yeah, look, I've I've had lots of uh,
1: uh, mentors along the way, and uh, you know, one one piece of advice I was very grateful for from one of my early mentors was: as you start your career, start by going you know broad and build that foundation of skills. Which was one of the reasons I, I chose McKinsey. Yeah. So that was a, a great piece of advice. Another great piece of advice was you know don't jump at the first opportunity. You know, when I was uh, looking to leave McKinsey and come into the the, the corporate world, I specifically took my time uh, to find the best role mm. um, for 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 my my own position, and I think you know it's paid off. Uh, finding Envato has been. I think just in a, an amazing opportunity for me to grow um, a lot faster than where I would
0: have grown in other places. Yeah. Ah, fantastic. Thanks for sharing. And you mentioned a really great habit before around what helped you through the academia sort of realms. And is there other habits that have helped you in, in your business life that you wanted to share? Yeah. yeah. I have a couple of habits. Um, I'm not sure if, it, if they're good or bad, but it's just
1: what I do. You know, one thing is I'm very, very responsive uh, so, uh, Dave, you probably would have noticed when, when you emailed me, you would have received a response within 24 hours. That's my outlook on, on life. If someone's taking the time to uh, write me a note, I will write back regardless. Yeah. Uh, and so I receive multiple LinkedIn messages all the time, you know, probably, you know, five a day and most of which I'm, I'm not interested in, but I always write, look, thanks, but not currently interested. Um, wish you best of luck. Yep. Yeah. Because I think it's just common courtesy, and and people want to know uh, whether it's yes or no, and yeah. uh, and it's appreciated. So, know, yeah, even as as a cold call, as a um, a LinkedIn, you know, email, I'll respond to. If you think about work, um, everyone that emails me at work will get a response of some sort, yeah. whether it's a, a. By the way, I don't think this is my call to. Great question. Give me give me a couple of days, and I'll give you a response, or I'll give a, a proper response there and then. Mm. And you know, I keep my inbox below five. Wow! And if it's above five, I'm, I'm I go a little stir crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably OCD. You don't want uh, to see mine. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not sure if it's a good or bad thing
0: because I'm yep. so uh, <laughs> I'm such a slave to my inbox. Yep. But it will get cleared every day. Yeah, right. Okay. Fantastic. Thanks for sharing. You mentioned there was a couple or was that the habit or you said there's a couple habits you had? Yeah. So, so that, that's a, a big
1: one. Um, being responsive. Another habit that I I have is making sure I'm on top of results every single day. Um, so the first thing I do when I come in as doesn't matter what role I've played is to look at numbers, Right. look at the performance of my business Know what's happened overnight, know what's happened month on month, year on year, um, see what the trends are and don't be afraid to get into the detail. And so um, every day I have, you know, 30 minutes, the first 30 minutes is at my desk looking at results Mm -hmm. because it helps me understand what's going on, where to focus my time, where to focus
0: my team's time. Fantastic. Uh, and so does that sort of drive any actions in the day what you're sort of seeing in your, your react definitely responsive to yeah the performance too
1: yeah yeah it sets off a whole sort of hopefully effective actions and you know on, on days where uh, there's nothing coming over that's great um
0: you know business as usual fantastic thank you yeah thanks again for sharing so the next one's around a book uh so and i'm interested in your answer here because you you mentioned it before we started recording and. Yeah, so the, the the question is, you know, what book do you recommend and I much just open it to you. Yeah, so
1: I think my, my teachers would be very upset at me when I say this, but I've never read a book in my life. Even at university when you're... Yeah, um, not one. And, wow. and I think this goes back to, I think, my earlier point where, you know, I think I graduated top of my classes not because I studied a lot, but because I studied... What was needed and I don't believe books um, for me is the best way to um,
0: achieve what's needed and well obviously not if you're (laughs) top of the class not reading the books and then like this is amazing (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna have to stop reading and start going after the result this is um, yeah fantastic (laughs) yeah and so I'm I'm not so much an
1: activity-based person I'm an outcomes person so i think about the outcome i wanted to be top of my class and to be top of my class what what did i need to do Um, and reading books was was i didn't think Mm. a prerequisite to that and it was in fact probably a detractor from it because i'm not
0: a very fast reader and reading books would take me a long time yeah right so there's an efficiency play in there as well. Yeah. like <laughs> okay. it. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. I really, I really find that really interesting. <laughs> so, so, next one just around the quote. And it's uh, just before we sort of wrap up. And yeah, is, was there a quote that you, you've hung on to that resonates with you? Yeah. Look, one of the, the quotes that I love
1: is from Bruce Lee, uh, actually. Uh, and Bruce Lee said, Be like water. And my interpretation of be like water is, While you're in a specific type of environment, um, figure out what's best for that environment. And so, you know, he goes and explains his quote around, look, when water's in in a glass, it becomes the glass. When water is in a bottle, it becomes the bottle. So I apply that in, hey, when I'm in an environment like Goldman, there are things that work best at Goldman. And so I do those things. When I'm at McKinsey, there are things that work best for McKinsey and therefore I do those things yeah. and all, all within reason, all within my values, all within my principles and anytime that crosses it, then, then that's, that's a completely different question. But while it's within those boundaries, it's all about finding out what is actually
0: best for that environment and then adjusting yourself to that. Fantastic. Yeah, thanks for sharing. So, just the final question is: just people are listening in; they're resonating with what you're saying. They want to know a bit more, or they want to come through and find out more about Invato. How do they? How do they go about contacting you? And uh, who should contact you? And what would it be about? Yeah, look. As I mentioned, look, I will respond
1: to LinkedIn messages. So LinkedIn is a, a, a great tool that I use. I think you'll
0: attach the LinkedIn. Yes, yeah, so I'll I'll, li- I'll link to um, yeah your profiles there. But it's, yeah. it's good to know that we'll get an answer either way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, the big
1: things for me is I'm I'm most when I'm when I'm recruiting, I'm most interested in the passion, and also also in the raw talent. I don't mind if uh, there hasn't been relevant experience. Um, I didn't have re- relevant experience before joining Invicta. <laughs> So I don't take experience as a prerequisite. Yeah. I care about raw intelligence. I care about the drive.
0: I care about your motivations. Fantastic. Yes, well, yeah, thank you very much for letting us in. Like I said, it's such a creative, bright space you've got here and you've created. And like I said, I wouldn't go over time so you can get back to CEOing. and <laughs> uh, But, yeah, thanks for coming on and making the time for the listeners. Thanks so much so, for having me. Thank you for listening to the mentor list with your host david lewis if you like what you're hearing on the mentor list the best way to support the show is to just take a few seconds to leave a rating and or comment over on itunes you can also find further information about this show and links to further episodes at mentorlist.com.au until next time this is the mentor list